Hello, everyone. Talk of the Town is up and running in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, USA. I'm Scott Montesano, and this is where the Chippewa Valley comes to talk. Don't forget to follow and subscribe to Eau Claire Hometown Media on Spotify and iHeart and have all of these locally made podcasts come right to you. Not only Talk of the Town, but all of our great shows, Banker with a Beer, Business Over Brews, coffee at the cottage a lot of beverages involved in our various podcasts uh the all new one from the northern wisconsin state fair which begins this week and many coming up in september so make sure you're following that Uh, we got things to get to today uh, on this tuesday that we are recording and a hello to those who are watching live or shortly after we do this program on facebook live of course we got some people listening live as well don't forget tuesdays and thursdays live at three o'clock on the website for at least another couple of weeks before we go completely uh recorded during the summer months uh, a couple things to hit on here quickly before we dive into uh, the main thing. We, let's, let's get through the pie crust, if you will. Uh, first off, terrible tragedy out of St. Croix County, a little outside of where we we focus on. Uh, but think about it, or Glenwood City, that area, it's not that far away. Uh, terrible tragedy out of St. Croix County with that deputy losing her life over the weekend. Uh, if you have not already... Read the full police report. Details exactly what had happened. There were bystanders who watched the whole thing unfold. And when you think about it, this could have been even worse. It was already, you know, grade F horrible. It could have been even worse for those bystanders. Uh, But read the full police report. Many news reports have it out there. It's horrifying and it's really scary in its simplicity as to how it happened a rather routine thing that turned very horrifyingly tragic uh just awful awful situation you couple that with what happened in barron county a few weeks ago actually not even a few weeks ago what just not even a month ago just just awful and there is no commentary on that any other commentary would just be a hot take or whatever. It's just awful. It's just awful what had happened. Just awful. Uh, the other thing, too, on this Tuesday, if you were driving on Claremont or maybe you even ventured to it, uh, but a pop-up Chick-fil-A in the Hy-Vee parking lot, kind of a promotion hy is doing with Chick-fil-A, and, of course, Chick-fil-A will have a permanent location in this area in a few months, building it right there next to the Olive Garden near the Oakwood Mall. A lot of people like Chick-fil-A. I've had Chick-fil-A. If anything else, a Chick-fil-A in your town is a sign, as we'll talk about in a little bit on another topic, You know, having any chain restaurant in your town is a sign you're hitting certain demographics, that you're hitting certain economic levels. Uh, which is which is a good thing. It's good to have chains, good to have franchise owners invest in your community because you're hitting certain levels. That's a good sign of your economic strength in your community. So a lot of positives with Chick-fil-A coming in. But we all know, and if you don't know research, 
why Chick-fil-A tends to be a, uh, a sort of a hot button uh, food place uh, because of its well-documented support. The, the ownership and the upper management, not the actual, their personal support of organizations that are deeply religious and that tends to be anti-LGBTQ+. You can go research that yourself, but the, the owner, you know, the Chick-fil-A itself was built on religious foundations, and that's led to, to some other things. What I'm going to say is, th- is this. If you want to go eat at Chick-fil-A, whether you went to the pop-up on Tuesday or you're going to be going when they open up, go ahead and eat Chick-fil-A. I'll probably, I will go and have a chicken sandwich or two at Chick-fil-A. If you want to protest Chick-fil-A, go ahead. Don't give them your money. That's fine. That's the, that's the absolute best thing you can do is not give them your money if you want to protest a place. just You don't have to make a big deal out of it. You just don't go give them their money. And if you do want to make a big deal out of it, that's in your right too. If you want to post on social media, hey, I will not support Chick-fil-A in Eau Claire, fine. The only thing I ask is you do so authentically and not just because it makes you feel good and not just to do so to try to shame those who are going to eat at Chick-fil-A. Just because somebody goes to Chick-fil-A does not mean they automatically are siding with the ownership and all that sort of... Let's not try to compound issues there. If you want to go and eat, you go eat. You support with your money. If you don't like a place, you just don't give them your money. I think that's very, very simple. I think that's very simple. Uh, Good thing to do. I I won't go through it before. Those of you who've been following for a very long time, there is a certain local chain restaurant in this area that I vowed I would never spend another cent at, and I have not spent another cent at that place since the fall of 2021 after I had an abhorrent experience there. Quickly rehashing what it was. My family and I went for a Sunday breakfast at this place, got there about 8 o'clock in the morning in September of 2021, so huge staffing issues and all that. You understand that. You knew things were going to take longer. We get there. Not many people at the restaurant at the time. We sit down. We were there for two hours. Two hours, didn't get our meals. They had filled the whole restaurant even though they did not have the staff for it, clearly had crashed the kitchen, and it was a complete mess. Our waitress was you know, apologetic, but she was sweating, and the manager was leaning up against a wall. The person I found out was the manager, wasn't doing anything. I sent an email complaint to upper management. They kicked me back to the local store manager who pretty much told me to go, you know, go pound sand. We were there for two hours. We didn't complain. In the course of two hours, I didn't complain. We just got up and left. Didn't even get a free meal out of it. But that's what I'm saying. My way of protesting now, I'm not here saying don't go to that place. I'm not really naming it or anything like that. It's not going to give them my money uh, for that. 
So yes, with the Chick-fil-A, you're going to be hearing a lot of that on the line as Chick-fil-A uh, gets more and more entrenched in the area. If you don't want to support Chick-fil-A, that is 100% your right not to support them. And there are very real reasons to not uh, support them. Uh, just the one thing I will again say is that don't shame those who do go and eat at Chick-fil-A because people aren't necessarily com connecting the two issues uh, at the same time. So I wanted to bring this up. We talk about protests and all that. So, on, uh, uh, of course, on Tuesday, the city council is doing a, a variety of votes. The Eau Claire City Council will recap on Thursday uh, the votes. Uh, we, of course, know part of the votes will be the July 4th celebration uh, where the fireworks will go off. It, it's been known on this program. I do not support moving the fireworks out of Carson Park, at least in 2023. You can go back and listen to our previous episodes for the last two weeks. But it looks like it's likely to happen. And I know certain parties involved, uh, they've kind of resigned themselves to the fact it's going to happen. That said, late last week, I reached out to various city council members to express my desire that they stay. I'm a city resident. I wanted to say my piece, if you will. Something that I encourage all of you to do. It's something we should all do. Reach out to our representatives. You always hear that you know, passively, but be active. Reach out to the representative. And it doesn't always have to be go to a town hall meeting and pound your fist or always in anger. It could be a short email. To them, they are the representative. They are to listen to you. They are to read every one of those. Don't just sit around and bitch. Okay, don't just sit around and bitch. And be a little active. If there's something you want, say you want it. So I figured I'd discuss my experiences with you, the listener, because I do think it validates my experience, validates a point I've stressed for a while. And that is just because someone doesn't vote your way doesn't mean you weren't heard. We've used this numerous times. It was really big when we were talking about the school board arguments locally and nationally. Oh, I'm, my, I'm not being heard. No, you're being heard. People just don't agree with you. There's a difference there. You tell your wife, I want hamburger for dinner and she makes chicken. She heard you. She decided chicken over a hamburger. Uh, so it goes across all layers of society. Uh, contr contrary to that, I do think there are times that those in charge sometimes don't respect the, that either. They don't respect that either. And they don't validate your concerns. They may not agree with you, but that doesn't mean they shouldn't still validate your concerns. They get lazy. And they figure avoiding confrontation is best when it's not. So it brings me to this. I wrote, I emailed Emily Anderson, who is officially our city council rep with where I live, along with two of the at-larges, uh, Joshua Miller and Kate Beaton Felton. I, my council rep plus two of the at-larges that seem to be, you know, Joshua Miller is very much in favor of just moving the fireworks. And Kate Beaton Felton seems like she's leaning towards that. I didn't bother with others because 
they don't represent me directly. But in retrospect, I probably should have because we aren't a large geographic footprint. Uh, I probably should have. But either way, I emailed those three. I said exactly what I've said on this program for the last two weeks on it, stressing at minimum, don't move it in 2023. I mean, plans already in place. Some of your constituents, not me, by the way, I'm out of town, but some of your own constituents have already bought tickets for the express game that night for the fireworks. At least don't move them in 2023. It's such a callous, cold-blooded move that significantly damages one of your highly valued and highly profiled entities in the community. So at least wait. And it, you know, it was just like with 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 you here. I I didn't, you know, wasn't, you know, confrontational in the email. Said I just wanted to give my point. Emily Anderson wrote back within the hour. This was Friday. She wrote back within the hour to me, thanked me for my comments, asked what my thoughts were on 2020 and 2021, which I thought was an outstanding follow-up by her. Wasn't just a passive thank you for your comments and being engaged. No, she had a follow-up question to me. So, and I answered her question. I said, hey, you know, the 2020-2021 fireworks were fine when viewed through the prism that they were intended to be temporary. Now, I didn't hear back from that comment, but, you know, with Emily Anderson, it's likely she's going to vote to move the fireworks show. It's likely she's going to vote, which, you know, for the move, which I don't want. However, I can't say I wasn't heard. I was heard. I feel I was heard. I contradicted her view, but at least I know she won't vote being able to honestly rationalize. She has 100% support on that. I'm okay if she doesn't vote with what I want. That's something I'll stockpile ahead for a, a campaign, if you will, if somebody runs against her. But I'm not going to sit here and say, you're not listening to me. No, she listened. She just doesn't agree if she votes to move to the high bridge. For all I know, at the time that we're doing this, she may be voting to keep it based entirely on my, on my email, which to that, I say, that's why I'm an awesome salesperson. Moving on, though, I did not hear anything from Miller, who is a big proponent of the move, nor by uh, Kate Beaton Felton. And if... And if they vote against my wishes, that is where they are in the wrong. It feels like you are not heard. I feel like I wasn't heard by those two. Even if you don't agree with me, acknowledge me. We are talking a local micro level. This is, you know, this isn't big time politics. This is a local, truly neighbors, neighbors and all that sort of thing. At least acknowledge the email. This is like a business owner not responding to an email complaint or a board of directors of a local organization refusing to hear a suggestion from a customer or a client or a volunteer. Don't just decline to hear my point of view. Is there a chance they didn't get the email? I've double and triple checked uh, the address. It was the city council address. If it went to spam or junk mail, that's on them. You should always be checking your junk and spam at least once a day. 
So I wish they, I wish they had responded to me. Uh, conclusion. One, reach out to your reps. Be respectful when you do. You know, don't go, you, you know, don't start your email off with you're an idiot. Don't, don't do that. Write them, express, write them. Let them know what your thoughts are. The reps, especially on this local level where you're not dealing with massive amounts of people, should interact back with you. Emily Anderson asked me a question back. That's good. She's engaged. She may be playing me. Good for her if she is. It works. Ask a question. I may ask you a question back, a follow-up question back. But reach out to your representatives. I actually think email may even be better than going and standing at a public comment period when all is said and done. Because a public comment period, humans are humans. At one point, if you have a lot of public comment, they may just start to, you know, drown some of it out in their head if they've been sitting there for an hour or two hours listening to public comment. So reach out to your representatives. I had a good experience with officially my actual representative and Emily Anderson. But Miller and Felton, they leave me shaking my head. I wish they had reached out. They're the at-larges. They represent everybody. Uh, fireworks are likely to be moved. You can vote the way you see best, but just don't ignore those who don't agree with you. Uh, federal lawsuit against former County DA Gary King has been dismissed. Uh, I'm going to mention another story here in a second. It's good we had a follow-up to this. This is a story that's been dragging on for about two years, so it's good that it's moving forward. Uh, King was the county DA until the summer of 2021. Uh, he faced accusations of sexual harassment as well as accusations and proven incidents of being intoxicated on the job and other misbehaviors on the job, uh, unbecoming of a lawyer, if you will. Now, he and Jessica Bryan, she is the uh, woman who was one of his workers when he was in office. She is the one that brought forth the sexual harassment claims, that is the lawsuit that's been settled, the federal lawsuit that's been settled. The sexual harassment lawsuit has been settled. The state lawsuit, that's the one that seeks to suspend his license for nine months for bad behavior, again, unbecoming of a lawyer, if you will. That case is still pending, uh, so keep that in mind. But good that we have follow-up, and don't assume anything. Big thing making the rounds nationally in the, well not even not making enough of the rounds but it's getting out there now nationally sports wise is there was a story about a year and a half ago a new draft pick for the Buffalo Bills of the NFL uh, was drafted and all that at the time of when he was drafted he was under investigation for a, a sexual assault case but at the time it looked like he was going to be cleared of any wrongdoing in the sexual assault case. He got drafted by Buffalo, played in the preseason, and then there was a firestorm as more and more people said, how like, how dare Buffalo sign this guy, make him a millionaire. Uh, he's got this sexual assault case, and details from the alleged victim started to come out, and it sounded really, really bad. So the young man lost his job. The Bills cut bait, said, hey, this isn't worth it. They cut bait. We're now hearing, recently, the young man completely exonerated 
Not 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 that the case isn't going to move forward because the DA, this is over in uh, California, not because the DA doesn't have enough to get a conviction or anything like that. No, the DA's come on and said, this young man had absolutely nothing to do with this. Had absolutely nothing to do with this. They can, they, he, he's got... He's got an alibi. We can, we can, we can confirm the alibi. All that. A lot of the things with the story are becoming a little false. Uh, the, all that sort of thing. What it is is, you know, you want to follow. You want to follow these cases all the way through. You want to follow them all the way, all the way through. Uh, many, many times, accusations are accurate, but there are times where they're not. I think that's key. So don't just don't just read the initial headlines in the first week. You got to try to store it in the back of your mind and get the follow up as things finish up. So with the Gary King case, for instance, was accused of these things. They've settled out of court. Now, he has not admitted any wrongdoing to it. But now we've got closure on that case. All right. Uh, farmers market started up again this last weekend in Eau Claire. Seems like there are. Uh, there's a little bit of turnover in the farmer's market. I was not there, but you, you hear all the new stuff they've got, and there's only a limited number of space. So I wonder if some places aren't back, if they got made some changes. Long story short with that, more of an excuse to get out to that farmer's market. First good Saturday be a good time to get out there and check it out. Early in the year is not a bad time to go to the farmer's market. You don't have as much of the produce, but uh, that's more of an excuse to get some of the baked goods and the hot food items that are there. Speaking of food items, Crumble Cookie opened last week. And credit to the people behind Crumble Cookie. They really generated a lot of hype uh, for the opening of Crumble Cookie. People all excited opening up in the former Pier 1 building. Uh, I have not had a Crumble Cookie yet. One thing I'm a little... It seems like they make a cookie and they just sort of put frosting on it. That's by the pictures I look at it. I mean, I'm sure it's good. I can't wait to go there and judge for myself. But either way, Crumble Cookie is open. Hey, that's cool. And uh, people waiting in line, and I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with being excited about a new place opening, especially a place that people sometimes have a fond memory of going to another town and having tried it. Now they get to see it right here in this area. I'll try it. What I do find annoying is this. And I say it with a smile on my face because you and I know we always bring up the Eau Claire Foodies page. And if you're not if you're not on that Eau Claire Foodies page, get involved in that Eau Claire Foodies page because it is uh, it is good entertainment on that Eau Claire Foodies page. But it is a reminder, and it seems like I come out here and have to do this every six months. A reminder to all business owners: don't you nor your surrogates take shots at the competition. It's just not good business. You never know when you may need that person or that person's surrogates. So, for instance, with this crumble cookie opening up late last week, you had people taking... And it's not just Oak Court Foodies page. You did see some of this on EAU and QOW's Facebook pages, too. One, you got people taking a shot because it's a chain. Crumble Cookie's a chain. People taking direct or passive-aggressive shots because it's a chain. They all forget... Locals work there too. I think it's a local owner. I think it's a local franchise owner as well. Remember this. Chains aren't evil. They're not evil. 
and local places aren't automatically better for a community. Get that through your skulls. Both, both are necessary for a good economy ecosystem. You need both. You don't want a town of nothing but chains, but you don't want a town of nothing but local places. You need them both. It creates a very good economy ecosystem. Right down to this, a lot of people, a lot of people new into an industry, into the food industry, can get their starts at these chains that have mechanisms in place and they've got uh, standards in place and then they can take those skills they've learned and transfer them to a local small business or start up their own for that. But more so the annoyance that I had was this, and this is the thing that all business owners have got to be careful of. With the crumble cookie on the Eau Claire Foodies Facebook page, people posted you know, innocuous things, a lot of pictures of what they were eating and what have you, but people would post questions like, hey, what are, what's the cost of a cookie there? Hey, uh, what sort of things do they offer there? When are they open at crumble cookie? And what you had was one nearby place, and I won't give them, I, I won't call them out as much as I won't give them free publicity, but a nearby place to where Crumble Cookie is did a poor attempt at guerrilla marketing by having their surrogates hijack posts intended for Crumble Cookie. So somebody would ask a question like, when does Crumble Cookie open? And you'd have comments below that from people who, again, I always view these people as surrogates for you know, when you see this type of guerrilla marketing pop up and people saying, forget about Crumble Cookie, you can go to place XYZ instead. And then another person would say, hey, don't support Crumble Cookie. They're a chain. Go support the same, you know, go support this other place. We'll call it, you know, Bob's Macintosh Emporium, if you will. And you know it's surrogates of the people at this business. The thing is, it looks cheap, it looks cheesy, it looks petty. So if you are a business in town, and I preach this myself, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't hijack posts. It's not good. It's not, it also doesn't help your algorithm, actually. Don't do that. It looks petty, it looks gross, it looks all those sort of things uh, with it. I understand, and we see this all the time, particularly when restaurants open. I understand you are, when Chick-fil-A opens and, you know, forgetting, you know, putting aside the conversation we had at the beginning of this podcast, just the simple fact when they open, it's going to be really busy. I understand if you are an established restaurant and in comes something new and they get lots of attention for a while and the money somebody is spending there is probably maybe money that's coming out of your pocket. I definitely understand that. Because even if somebody says, hey, I'm going to try them once, maybe they're going on the night that they typically would go to your place. So I understand that. They're going to get lots of attention for a while. But if you're deserving, water finds its level. As long as you make a good product and maybe adapt as necessary, you'll be fine. People will come back to you or you'll replace those that you lose. 
Competition is necessary in our economy. It's frustrating. It's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to, you'd, you'd like it to be easier. You'd like to not have competition. But I always go back to what Blaine at Ramon's Ice Cream in downtown Eau Claire told me. And I've known Blaine for years, and this is when uh, Olson's Ice Cream was going to open up just a block away. Ramon's had had downtown ice cream all to themselves for a couple of years, and now Olson's was going to open up. And uh, Blaine told me, he said, Scott, I can't stop them from opening, so the only thing I can do is benefit from the competition. I think that's the best way of putting it. Figure out a way to benefit from the competition. And then finally today, want to want to wrap up with this. Uh, this could have been its own podcast in and of itself. Uh, but uh, local state representatives, uh, Jeff Miller and Jody Emerson, were in town earlier this week pushing for state aid to help child care centers. And this always seems like it's a story that's kind of bubbling there. Uh, doesn't get an awful lot of attention, but it's still bubbling there. And it, it's one of those stories that maybe not getting a lot of attention, but people are feeling it every single day, which ultimately is probably you know, more of an impact than it being on the news. But uh, again, these two state reps pushing for state aid to help child care centers. The issue is staffing, both in affording it for places to hire more staff, but also in getting the licensing processed. Talking to some of these child care centers and people associated with it, the issue isn't necessarily getting people into the industry. It's being able to pay, and it's also being able to get the licensing through so people can do this. Uh, you are short these centers, 25% of them uh, in the state closed during the pandemic. You were already short going into the pandemic. Uh, remember this with child care. Child care is very much an issue as society has changed over the years. The days of, and it was typically a woman, the days of one woman in the neighborhood watching the kids isn't as likely anymore. It just isn't for any number of reasons, including the fact that people tend to, you have more people in the workforce, you don't have as many stay-at-home moms or stay-at-home dads, and those that are now staying at home are typically working out of the home. They're not just sitting and tending to the home, which if you've ever done that for a brief time, whether you were between jobs or whatever, you yourself know it's a full-time job to keep your house clean. So it's not a, not a day off to be a, a housewife or a house dad. It absolutely is not. You do a lot of, you do a lot of grunt labor with no pay <laughs> In, involved. may actually be the worst job there is when you think about it. But society has changed. Work hours have changed. All of that. So, you know, people are more transient as well. They don't know their neighbors as well as maybe they did before. Also, you just don't have the same type of neighborhoods as you had 30, 40 years ago where people tended to, and it was the same way where when I was growing up, you tended to live close to your family. And when I say close to your family, you'd be three, four blocks away. So the family was all close. So all the families knew each other over multiple generations. You still have neighbor neighborhoods and people know their neighbor and all that, but it's just a little different. All of that leads to child care is a little more difficult nowadays. 
and it has been for a while. People need to pay for childcare more than they've had to in previous generations. And if you don't have childcare, that limits what people can do for work until kids get to a certain age. So it's good to see you got a couple of state representatives trying to push, like anything else, it needs money. It needs money. It needs some effort uh, put on it. Uh, what I, and I'm surprised we don't see it more. You'd like to see, eventually, we'll have to see if businesses take it upon themselves more. You see it from some of the really, really big companies, but I wonder if more companies will take it upon themselves to offer child care. I mean, it's not cheap, but nothing's nothing's cheap. All right, that'll do it for today's edition of Talk of the Town. Back with you on Thursday with another installment. On behalf of everyone who made this podcast possible, I'm Scott Montesano saying there's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow shining at the end of every day. Make sure to take advantage of it. And until next time, so long, everybody. Here at Eau Claire Hometown Media, we're proud to have as one of our longest-serving partners the fine folks with Stokes, Proc, and Munt Funeral Chapel and the Cremation Society of Wisconsin. Here, Randy tells us what got him into the funeral and cremation industry. Well, what brought me into this mainly was curiosity. Uh, I've always been real heavy into the sciences, and uh, I had a bachelor uncle that used to take me to a lot of funerals because, and he knew a lot of people. So we get all dressed up in those days you did. Go to a funeral and go out to eat. That was kind of the payoff for it. So I met a few funeral directors, you know, along the way. And uh, I even helped my parents do his arrangement. That bachelor uncle died in his 50s. And... Uh, I don't know. I think it's been a good fit for me. I thought I'd try it and see how I like it, and, you know, I've been in it for 50 years.